0: Welcome to another edition of Two Strike Noise. I am your host Jeff Paulson. Uh, joining me is my co-host Mark A. Johnston. Say hello, Mark.
1: Hey, it's great to be here. And I look, I can hear me. That means it's Tuesday.
0: It's probably boggling your mind that you can hear yourself, huh? Yeah, it
1: always <laughs> freaks me out.
0: So uh, we're gonna try something a little bit different today, Mark. We're gonna we're gonna turn this into a choose your own adventure type show. So I'm gonna leave it up to you to choose what our topic for the day is. So we're either going to, A, talk about baseball history, or B, I found a recent study that suggests that cows that have been given names produce more milk than those that aren't. So which uh, which topic would you like to go with?
1: Today? Man, I'll tell you what, I'm interested in, in the naming and monikers of bovines, but um, I think people tune in to this show. and This is just a thought. To, to listen to baseball history.
0: There's probably enough cow-centric podcasts out there for yeah. for somebody, if you're interested, you could find something else, probably. Yeah.
1: So let's go with the baseball history thing.
0: Okay. <laughs> so we are recording, first of all, we're, we're recording this part of the show on Friday, the 21st. We've got a special guest joining us today that we recorded yesterday on the 20th, but I, I mentioned the dates solely because uh, something happened on this date, uh, June 21st, 1966, that I had no idea of, and I thought it was really cool. So on this date in 1966, Satchel Page pitched in his final professional game oh, wow. as a baseball player. Uh, he goes two innings for the Pensacola Grays. A minor late club. Now, the Gray's normal catcher was given the day off. So the guy that slid behind the plate was 41 years younger than Page. And his name was Johnny Bench.
1: No way.
0: That's I had awesome. no idea Johnny Bench had caught Satchel Page. Why, why is this not a, a more known thing? Or this, am this I just huge. an idiot?
1: This is you. I mean, I had no idea either. Satchel being a big favorite on this show. Uh, yeah, that's cool to find a satchel page to Johnny bench. Wow.
0: That's just, that boggles my mind. I love Johnny bench. He is an interesting follow on Twitter, but I love Johnny bench just cause he's Johnny bench and to have caught satchel page. I, that well, boggled my mind.
1: You have to love Johnny bench because he's the quintessential catcher. Anybody that gets referred to as a great catcher gets compared to who Johnny bench every single time.
0: And as we have covered before the baseball bunch, <laughs>
1: that too. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> All right. So I got something else for you, uh, stat wise. So you're very familiar with the save, uh, statistic. I yes. know for a fact you are. Um, I am. <laughs> so this is one of those stats that I think we're kind of as, as we, you know, in the day and age that we live in, in baseball, we know that saves is really a pretty lame stat at this point, kind of like ERA and batting average. They're yeah. kind of dinosaurs at this point. Uh, found some interesting history about the save. First of all, it was not a stat until 1959. Hmm. Which it, and it was actually the, the first new stat adopted by MLB since the adoption of uh, keeping records of RBIs in 1920. So it had been a, almost a 40-year drought. Wow. Um, but the save was actually coined by a Chicago writer named Jerome Holtzman. Now, Holtzman was a big fan of the Cubs. And in that year, 1959, uh, the Cubs had two relief pitchers, Don Elston and Bill Henry, that had great years as relievers. But the Pittsburgh Pirates had a reliever named Elroy Face. Now, Elroy Face had an 18 and 1 record as a reliever. Is that, that good? Year. That talk about a vulture, right? If you're a reliever yeah. and you have 18 wins, you are just coming in and picking some, yeah. some games that really you probably have no, no it, business winning. It
1: probably only cost you like three bucks and rotisserie, you know. And he's just cleaning up like that. That's uh, that's the kind of guy I need to draft right there.
0: Yeah, that that's a fantasy player's dream, right yeah. there. <laughs> so, but I mean, faced with this 18 to one records, getting all the getting all the ink. And, you know, Holtzman is a fan of the Cubs, like I said. So he wants to prove that, that Elston and Henry are better pitchers. So what he does is he comes up with this statistic that he calls a save where you come in and, you know, obviously kind of put, put the final nail in the coffin to, yes. to the game. Now, what was interesting to me is that this word save had been, you know, kind of, Part of the baseball lexicon for for some time before this, uh, it was origin It originally came about uh, when in 1907, friend of the podcast Rube Foster, hey. who uh, of course uh, founded the Negro National League, he said that when a pitcher is used in relief, it, he, and this is a quote, it is a natural thing that he should want to save the game, and so is likely to forget to go into the pitching gradually. So. What's cool is he's saying two things there. First of all, he's talking about a save, you know, saving the game. But then I like how he says it's likely to forget to go into pitching gradually, meaning, you know, he's coming in in the later part of the game. And instead of taking it easy, he's just like throwing it as hard as he can, which is typically what we think of closers.
1: Firing it in there.
0: Yeah. So later, uh, Johnny Evers and Hugh Fullerton in 1910 referred to a teammate, Ed Walsh, as having saved two late season games that were important. And in 1911, sports writer I.E. Cy Sanborn, that is a mouthful of a name, described uh, Mordecai Three Finger Brown as having to rush into the rescue of a starter in the sixth inning. And it actually uh, caused his manager, Frank Chance, to give Brown $50 of his own money for the feat of a life-saving performance. (laughs) So I think more than just, you know, that stat and how it came about, that's kind of why we call it a save. Because those gentlemen believe that they were actually saving lives out there on on the mound.
1: Saving lives, saving games, you know. Same thing. One or the other. I mean.
0: Baseball's life and death. We know it. We live it. Anybody
1: listening to this podcast knows this. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) So uh, that's kind of our our opening uh, opening salvo here on uh, this week's edition of Two Strike Noise. We'd like to welcome to the podcast our special guest this week. I'd like to welcome Ben from the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Uh, Ben, thank you so much for coming and joining us. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me here, Jeff. Ben, uh, if you have not listened to his podcast yet, which you absolutely should, uh, the big proponents of baseball in the state of Oregon, as well as the movement to bring a Major League Baseball team to Portland, and some big news today just came down that we will talk about here uh, as we get through the history of baseball in Oregon. I also want to congratulate you, you posted your 50th episode last week, which is a, a big big marker congratulations on that
2: yeah thanks it's been a long well it feels like a long time coming but uh <laughs> we've really only been doing this since august of last year when we started recording david and i and uh, you know to get into that 50th episode was great but we had jim burley uh the media manager for the portland diamond project on so it's pretty cool to have her on for the 50th episode
0: yeah and you've got some you've had some some great guests both from the you know the expansion talk but as well as just some some historical players that have uh, played a part in the history of baseball in Oregon. and uh, i've really enjoyed it uh, enjoy your podcast uh, every week well thank you let's so let's talk a little bit about the history of of baseball. Uh, you know Mark is a unfortunately not able to be with us right now but he is a uh, longtime resident and native of the Pacific Northwest. He grew up in Tacoma uh, has been involved with the uh, was a bat boy for the Tacoma Tigers and Rainiers and now works uh, with the Mariners. And I went to school up at Washington state and worked for the Mariners before I moved back down here to California. So a real, a real Pacific Northwest flavor for this week's show, which is fun, uh, to, to learn about some of this stuff. So baseball in Portland and, and Oregon, but Portland specifically has been around for quite a while. Uh, we were talking beforehand about, uh, some of the nicknames there throughout the, uh, throughout the history. And you've had some real interesting ones. Um, Do you have a favorite of, We I guess first let's mention some of them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, you know, to go back to the very beginning, uh, the first known recorded history of baseball um, in Oregon is in the 1860s. And it was just a, Bunch of guys who got together and formed uh, the Portland Pioneers, and it's just a, basically a club, just like a you know if you were in like a union or some sort of like affiliation, like VFW, American Legion, you know, paying dues. So they're basically paying dues members to play baseball. So you know, the earliest was the Portland Pioneers, which I, you know it's between that and you know the other ball club, the Portland Mavericks, which which I really like. I think the Mavericks, if you know, I'm let's just say when. Uh, Major
0: League Baseball gets to Portland. I think the Mavericks would be such an incredible name and the logos that you could you could use. I'm I'm on board with the Mavericks. Yeah,
2: totally. Um, just the the style. They really remind me of the early 2000 Boston Red Sox, just with the big beards, the long hair. If you could take one player from the early 2000 Red Sox, Johnny Damon, he would probably fit in very well with the Portland Mavericks. <laughs> if you stuck
0: him in that lineup nobody would bat an eye. they just assume just assume it was somebody that was supposed to be there 100%. Exactly. So, we've got some other great nicknames from from teams from Portland. We've got the Webfeet, uh the Gladiators, the Monograms, which sounds more like kind of a 60s doo-wop mm-hmm. group than a baseball <laughs> team, but I'm d- I'm down with it. We got the Portland Pippins. Yep. The Green Gages, which I I get green. I don't. I don't get the gauges. And then uh, it seems like every team has had a team named the Brown. Every city's had a team named the Browns.
2: Yeah, that was really short. Yeah,
0: I, I only found one year of 1902. The the mm-hmm. Cleveland Brown or the Cleveland Browns. The uh, the Portland Browns. Yeah, the Portland Browns.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think they they had tried one year the Portland Ducks also, and it was this terrible looking uniform. And I think even that same year they may have um, went away from wearing pants to shorts. Well, we know how that worked out for the White Sox. That was a great look. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, they also had the uh, Portland Rockies, too, along with the Portland Beavers. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the Beavers, because that's the
0: name that is stuck with Portland baseball for probably, I don't know, maybe let's say 80% of the you know, incantations of baseball in Portland, but for mm-hmm. anybody that's not super familiar with the Pac-12, you know, the Beavers is Oregon State, and then the Ducks, which you mentioned early, is the University of Oregon, and that, you know, I, I, I mentioned to you, I saw a story about the owner wanting to change the name from the Beavers, not to be confused, but the public loved the name the Beavers so much that that has been really the the name that has stuck with the the Portland baseball team for the for the most of their incantations.
2: Yeah, exactly. Do you like the Beavers? Is that... I love the Beavers for Oregon State University. Do I love <laughs> Do I love the name for a professional team? It's a great question. And to really answer that, I, I really think that it needs to stay where it is right now with Oregon State just because that baseball team down in Corvallis has has done such a great job you know coach Riley just r- retired but I mean he really made that into a really good program they you know they had you know two back-to-back titles one year and like in 2006 2007 I believe and then they just had one last year a title and then they had one you know prior to that too with Jacoby Ellsbury on that team and so I think that the name needs to stay uh, in Corvallis with Oregon State. So I, I really kind of like to go with a different name anyways.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're 100% correct. I think OSU's got such a great baseball tradition. You wouldn't want to try to piggyback or, or be confused with such a great college program. I think that's a great point. Um, you've had some great names come through uh Portland, uh, through its many iterations, Lou Pinella, Louis Tiant, sudden Sam McDowell, mm-hmm. uh, some of the older names, especially Lou Piniella in the Pacific Northwest is a, is a
2: big yep. name. Tommy Lasorda even actually, um, coached, uh, I think in Spokane. Yeah. I think he coached a team in Spokane for the Dodgers and their minor league system. And then he, I mean, he was here coaching once in a while. Yeah. There's a couple of the interesting names too. I think you might have them on your list. Yeah. I've got some, I have got a I did not know how many
0: people came from Oregon that
2: (laughs) had some some big moments
0: and big, uh, you know, just big names in the MLB. Before we get to some of the current ones, though, 1961 Satchel Paige at the age of, we think, 55 Mm -hmm. in in our Satchel Paige episode. We we determined that nobody ever really knew how old Satchel Paige was, but he came in and had a very interesting stint with the. With the Beavers in 1961.
2: Yeah I think he ended up pitching a total of 22 innings. I was doing some research on that and that's how much he pitched. With 19 strikeouts and 18 Mm -hmm. earned runs. (laughs) Yeah we had a um, guest on and you know he talked about Satchel Paige and um, and he talked about how Satchel would be out in the, the bullpen and he'd have himself a rocket chair he just big old smile like <laughs> rocking back and forth in the he was here. quite a character and
0: the stands were packed i mean let's be honest this was no doubt a ploy just to get people in the stands and it worked from from everything i read
2: <laughs> yeah and there was also another big name in the early 1900s and that was jim thorpe that came play and played for i think a month or two
0: yeah, I've got 1922. All I've got is Jim Thorpe and then Mickey Cochran also a couple of years later. Another another big name that came through there. You guys draw mm-hmm. very well with these names. Very impressed. Uh, yeah. Then we get to the 1970s. Now, most people, especially recently with the uh, with the Netflix documentary, the battered, I I always have. This is a tongue twister for me. The battered bastards of baseball. There you go. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have you say it whenever I need to say it. <laughs> the uh, The Beavers uh, once again left Portland, and the Independent Mavericks moved in. And now the Mavericks are beyond what they did on the field. Are just such an interesting story because of the characters that played for this this team, and as well as the the owner. Of the team, who was actor Bing Russell, and he was on he was on Gunsmoke or Bonanza. Was, I get those two. He was on Bonanza, Bonanza. He was the Sheriff. I yeah,
2: believe the deputy sheriff.
0: Of course, he is yes. the father to Kurt Russell. Who I'm I'm not sure. Did Kurt Russell ever do anything after he was the Bat Boy there? I haven't really heard of him.
2: Kurt Russell was never the Bat Boy for the Mavericks. He, oh, he wasn't. No, he was actually. uh, I believe it was like a a a manager type and he actually played a little bit too.
1: I think ah. he was a backup infielder if I remember correctly.
2: But
0: he his career ended right there after the baseball, right? It oh, didn't yeah. go on I mean, anything.
1: No one knows that name. Give me a break. <laughs> I mean, we just know him as the son of Bing. That's it. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah, cuz I think they so, went, pursued their acting career after um well, Bing continued pursuing his acting career and I think uh that's when Kurt jumped into it. And I think they did a film together and I believe it was on Elvis Presley. If my memory um, is correct. And they have that part in the documentary.
1: Yes. It was an Elvis, uh, not an Elvis movie as in Elvis was in it, but it was a movie about Elvis.
2: Speaking of Elvis real quick. uh, There's an interesting piece because um, I talked to Frank Peters, who happened to be one of the managers of the Portland Mavericks. And he actually said that Elvis and Bing were like, they had their, like, close buddies, and he said that uh, Elvis and Bing were looking at potentially bringing the White Sox, buying the White Sox, and bringing them to Portland. How cool would that have been?
0: Yeah. Have Elvis Elvis be one of the co-owners of the team? That would be awesome.
2: Yeah, that would have been pretty cool.
0: <laughs> so, some other interesting characters that was on that Maverick team, um, Jim, I, and I have a hard time with this name, Bowden. Tim, Jim, Bowden, I was going to say Booten, and I'd Don't know why I missed that. But uh, he, of course, the famous, he was a pitcher, but I think in my mind, more famous for being the author of Ball Four, which was kind of the first kind of uh, salacious book about what goes on in day-to-day professional baseball. Mm -hmm. And it was, that book was definitely not looked upon favorably by the Major League, by Major League Baseball. And he was kind of unofficially blacklisted after that and had a hard time you know catching on with teams but he found a he found a home with this perfectly named maverick team
2: yeah he yep. did and the 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 little nugget behind that is is that uh we did an episode a couple episodes with um our author and ball player for the phillies larry colton who's he's from originally from the bay area i think he went to cal berkeley then he played in uh, for the Phillies in the PCL or the Pacific Coast League and then played um, in a you know major league game uh, whom he batted. He we pitched against Pete Rose and um, Johnny Bench in that game. but he he came to the, the mavericks and apparently you can only have one player who at any given point played professionally in, in Major League Baseball. And so he was on the team. And because Jim Bowden wanted to come in and play, they essentially cut Larry Colton to make room for him.
0: Oh, well, that's no fun. (laughs) (laughs) But Larry Colton has gone on to success as a writer, uh, even being nominated for for a Pulitzer Prize. So I think he's done okay. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Another this is this one is my favorite pitcher. Rob Nelson uh, invented Big League Chew. Mm-hmm.
2: it was him and jim that did that
0: that is awesome because i i i'm sure like most kids that ever played little league uh my goal was to stuff an entire pack of grape in my mouth at one time and be able to still function properly and I, I think i still try to do that <laughs> if you gave me a pack i probably would i i embarrass my wife because i buy pop rocks if i see them at all so i'm sure big league <laughs> chew would be the same um now Todd Field. Now this I've got him listed as a Bat Boy as well, but yes. since I <laughs> messed up on Kurt Russell, he likewise became an actor and director and screenwriter in Hollywood as well and had some success.
2: So yeah, he actually won an Academy Award for um, I think it's Behind the Bedroom Door or something like that. That movie. Wow, I, I it's just
0: it's weird that this team that was such a kind of like a ragtag team of, of guys that had to come out and try out to play independent baseball could have so many different stories and, and successful stories. It's
2: They should make a movie about it. <laughs> there is talk about making an actual movie out of the documentary. That I think that would be great. You could have Kurt Russell play his father. That was talk about that. <laughs> I mean we talk a lot with Frank Peters the former manager who who was a character. <laughs> um but you know he he's told us that there's been talk about actually making a movie about the Mavericks and and he has brought up having Kurt play his dad. I think it's perfect casting. I think it's built him. <laughs> they can cast us. We'll play
0: the bat boys. Sure. <laughs> I'll even I, I, I you know if they want me to fly up there I'll just go sit in the stands and be a crowd me extra. Too. I think that would be be fun just to watch that Um, so following the following the Mavericks uh, the Beavers came back (laughs) and uh, kind of a not a not a great history once they returned uh, they started playing in Civic Stadium which is kind of I, I remember Civic Stadium I remember seeing a couple of games not in person, but just some highlights of Civic Stadium, and then the MLS kind of moved into town. And for anybody that doesn't know, the MLS has been just an unmitigated success in the Pacific Northwest between the uh, the Timbers and the uh, the Sounders up in mm-hmm. Seattle. And the Timbers kind of took over that stadium, and they were such a success, they kind of edged out the Beavers. Is that a is that a fair assessment?
2: Yeah, that, you know, with the expansion of Major League Soccer to um, throughout the country and Portland at the time had been vying for a team. So Merrick Paulson, the owner of the Portland Beavers at the time, was in talks to bring uh, expansion soccer here to Portland. And so what they were doing is they were looking for an alternate location um, for the Beavers, but then... It transitioned also into uh, you know Montreal Expos potentially coming out out this way, but we know how that turned out. So it was just this <laughs> this whole thing, and then it, you know nothing got worked out. So therefore, the Beavers ended up leaving, and they turned. They uh, told Civic Stadium is now Providence Park, but it went to Gelwin Field, and and so on. So yeah, so the
0: once the once the Timbers moved in and and kind of took over there, now we're kind of where we are now. Um, you've got a healthy though minor league, uh, you know, system. I, I don't want to say system, but there's a, a very healthy minor league that encompasses several teams in Oregon that this is the Northwest League.
2: Yeah, there's the Northwest League. We have the Hillsboro Hops. and the Northwest League is a short season single A uh league and they ju- literally just started i think like last week but we got the hillsborough hops there's the salem kaiser volcanoes and then there's also the eugene emeralds and the eugene emeralds were the league champions last year of the northwest league
0: and all of these teams i know because i follow you on twitter have some some real uh good hat game i gotta say because i see you are kind of a hat oh, collector yeah, just a little bit <laughs> you have got some great lids that you share on twitter and i love the logos of these teams they are i'm like i don't need
2: more hats but those are
0: awfully sweet (laughs) um
2: you know the other league that's in the area uh, is the west coast league which is the um a wooden bat league essentially but it's uh, collegiate players players that are just graduated high school who are in that transition between high school and college, and so they're playing. And so you have, um, in this particular area, you have the Corvallis Knights, you have the Portland Pickles, and then you have the Ridgefield Raptors, and then the other team in Oregon's, the Bend Elks. But then you have other teams that are in the surrounding area, but man, there's some sweet lids. and now that league that's
0: similar to as you said it's it's kind of it can be some college kids it's a wood league a wood bat league kind of similar to the cape cod league is that that fair assessment that's pretty cool i would love to see some and um
2: of all people rob nyer who used to work for espn for many years fox sports and he's written several books most recently he's got a book called powerball he is the commissioner of the west coast league
0: Yes. And I was just, uh, I was laughing at his Twitter the other day because he kept posting pictures of the league ball with his signature on it. And I can imagine I would be doing the same thing if, if I had my signature on, on a league ball and got to
2: be commissioner. I think that is yeah. awesome. And, and I think what I'm going to do is get a, I got a couple of baseballs. I'll, I'll print my name on it and then sign it and I'll hand it to Rob and say can I hold this so I can take a picture of it and post it <laughs> You had a great interview with him
0: too just a couple of weeks ago uh just kind of a a, a wide-ranging baseball interview that was uh, I I would recommend everybody go back and and listen to that episode he's he's very entertaining and I think he hosts a, a Saber um a Saber uh, podcast himself doesn't he
2: Yep that is correct He just had a guy on um I can't remember his name, but uh, they uh we're talking about the 81 Dodgers in their run to the championships called They Bled Blue. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. I've been reading it. It's really good. I recommend anybody read that. Yeah,
0: I'm I've got I follow too many people on Twitter that are recommending baseball books and I have a backlog now. I'm reading two right now and then I've got this whole backlog. If if everybody could just stop with these great baseball books for a little while, it'd be great. <laughs> Let's uh, jump into a couple of names of players that I'm guessing most people will have heard of that uh, come from the great state of Oregon. Uh, we mentioned, uh, well, we didn't. We were we were discussing it uh, before we started recording. Johnny Pesky is from. <laughs> uh, this is where I got. I messed up. I didn't read my notes. He's from Portland. He didn't actually play in the state professionally, but uh, he is from Portland. We mentioned him. The famous pesky pole in fenway park uh mickey lolich he was a lot of these are actually mm. from portland too uh mickey lolich is from portland he was a three-time all-star with the tigers um a left-handed pitcher this one's uh near and dear to my heart dave kingman uh if mark is here probably has some
1: yeah a couple other a's uh, come to mind i think lance blankenship is from portland Lance Blankenship, yeah. one of my
0: all-time. You've you've sank my
1: Blankenship and uh, and Scotty Brocius is from Hillsborough yeah. I think.
0: And wasn't wasn't Brocious in talk to to maybe become? I think they they named somebody else, but wasn't he in talks to become a, a coach at Oregon State recently?
2: He there was some talk about that as far as his name being brought up, but he actually did coach um, Linfield College baseball and led them to a. I think they're in the NWAC or NAIA, but anyways, lead them to a national championship. Uh, Mm -hmm.
0: Let's see, Larry Anderson, who is one of my all-time favorite pitchers. Uh, I believe he is doing uh, radio now for the Phillies, but this guy was one of the original pranksters. And uh, I I would say he was probably an average major league pitcher, but just what he did... uh, I playing jokes uh, on people in the dugout. I always
1: was a fan of his. It was um, Anderson and Charlie Kerfield. They were unstoppable pranksters. And this <laughs> a side note. Uh, Larry Anderson was who the Astros dealt straight up to get a guy named Jeff Bagwell.
0: Seems like a great trade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a name that we did a, a segment of people we thought should have been in the Hall of Fame yeah. and weren't. And this name escaped us, and I'm embarrassed. Dale Murphy, born in Portland.
2: Uh, Yeah, Dale Murphy is huge um, in this area, and I think he was the uh, number one draft pick by the Atlanta Braves. He went to Wilson High, was under a famous, famous coach in this area, Jack Dunn, um, who went on to coach at Portland State University. Um, But but Dale Murphy is really big.
0: Yeah, I can't believe we missed him. Two-time National League MVP and um i i don't know how he is when harold baines is getting into the hall of fame and dale murphy is not it baffles me um we've got another uh one of the two-way players danny ainge is from eugene of course had the great professional basketball career with the celtics but he was uh, drafted and played for the toronto blue jays in 1979 um Uh, baseball network and seattle mariners uh, harold reynolds was born in eugene Mm -hmm. uh scott brocious as we as we um mentioned earlier third baseman came up with the a's then played for the yankees and and the mariners and some other teams Um, this one will probably upset mariners fans richie sexen was born in portland Did not have a great career when he was traded to the Mariners, but nonetheless, (laughs) another uh, Oregon native. Um, Also wanted to mention, we talked about Oregon State and their powerhouse um, uh, college program. Some of the names that have come out of there that are playing professionally. You mentioned earlier uh, Jacoby Ellsbury. Um, there's Sam, G- Sam Gaviglio, Michael Conforto, Andrew Moore. And the name that I'm hearing all the time right now is Nick Madrigal, who is tearing mm-hmm. it up in the Chicago White Sox, uh, farm system. And yeah. And Adley
2: Rutschman, the number one that's pick. That's
0: right. Yeah. The, the, the catcher that went number one this year, uh, mm-hmm. just continue to, uh, to, uh, spit out great talent that's that's uh, do you go to many college games i know i see you post uh pictures from uh from the local minor league teams do you go to uh, many college games
2: yeah this year i actually went to a couple different games i went to the osu versus uh university portland game up at hillsborough stadium and then i went down and saw osu play utah at home so at goss and so i'm really starting to get into college baseball like going and actually watching it in person as opposed to just like on tv are are
0: the i i have not been keeping up i know the world series is going on right now in omaha are anybody from Mm -hmm. oregon represented no uh
2: i believe it's uh louisville still in it um i wasn't sure i can't remember if if it was Vanderbilt or Mississippi State, I can't remember who won that game yesterday, but that was one good game. Um, but no, nobody from um, Oregon.
0: All right, so let's talk about now something that is a, a, a frequent talk, but on your on your podcast, the Portland expansion push. And uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier at the beginning of this. You've got some uh, some big names already backing, trying to get a team in there. Uh, with uh, Russell Wilson in Sierra. Um, I see a lot of social media um, coming through uh, looking looking to, to try and you know get a team there. Um, I asked you this earlier, but I, was, I, I I thought you had a great answer. Would you prefer when a team does come to Portland? Would you prefer an expansion team or, or would you like somebody to relocate and kind of start from,
2: you know not start from square one? Jeff, that's always a great question that anybody asks, and it's a difficult one to answer. I I could say I want relocation, and let's really take a look at the two teams that are being looked at for relocation, and one is Tampa Bay, which we all saw the breaking news that just came out this day, the day that we're recording this on, and then there's Oakland. Um, I know you being an oakland fan <laughs> don't want the uh, A's to be relocated but I gotta say if it if it if I was making all these decisions if any team and, and this goes really well bodes really well for Oakland it'd be the a's just because of the raw talent that they have on their team but with that said I really don't think with the golden State wars moving to San Francisco with the Raiders moving to Vegas I do don't really see um, Oakland losing another uh, sports team. So, therefore, I don't want Tampa. But I think Tampa's going to go to Montreal. We'll get into that in a little bit. But um, I'd like to start from afresh so that way we can, like you said, we, we create our own history, and it's there from day one, and it's not incorporating the history of another team per se. So
0: I, I've seen you also the there's there's even a merchandise store already for the Portland I guess we just call it the Portland franchise and you've got a they've got a sweet logo they've got hats mm-hmm. jerseys um, if you could name this team let's say that whether you get a, oh. if you get an expansion team or a relocation um, and, and you alone are given the power to name this team what are you going with?
2: gosh um so i'll say this or portland oregon was named on a coin flip (laughs) and it was between portland and boston and that's how they decided and that's how portland was named so i would say it's a coin flip between portland pioneers and portland mavericks for me i like it i i told you earlier i like the i like the mavericks but I also
0: like the Pioneers because then you've got the, the two Ps working. And, and you've just got cool merch already.
1: Um,
2: mm-hmm. that yeah, I,
1: those I, are, I like both of those names. They're better than what we're coming up with for the Seattle hockey team. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I saw the, hockey sushi, the, the Seattle Sushi as one yeah, name. Yeah, <laughs> that's wonderful. Along
1: with uh, Sasquatch and Kraken, the Kraken. Hopefully they go with uh, Sockeyes, though, because I like that one.
0: This reminds me of when, when we found out Safeco wasn't going to be the sponsor of the Mariners' uh, home field anymore, and we were coming up with uh, Amazon and Starbucks names for the new stadium. Yes. <laughs> the lattes. So would you would you rather be, here's another, would you
2: rather, National League or American League? I don't think it matters. Um, and, and because the reason why I say that is that a lot of, Everybody up here is talking like, hey, we want Seattle. We want we want to play the Mariners. And when it comes down to it, we're going to play them either way. And whether if that was in division, we get them more. But if it's in the um, National League that we're in, we're still going to probably end up playing them. So I really don't think it matters. But a little part of me wants the AL because – um, I'm originally from back east. I'm a big uh, Red Sox fan, but I do really want to see like, those specific teams. Like I want to see Oakland. I really want to see the Yankees. I really want to see the Red Sox. Um, just some of those other really, really good teams I really want to see come through frequently. So see, I- if
1: it were a National League team, though, you'd have me down there five or six times a year you know, to see the different National League teams that we don't always get up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. you know um it, plus just regardless of the league the natural rivalry is fantastic
0: I think I oh, think yeah. the real if if you become well if if they were either American or National League the real loser here is the fans of the natural rivalry of the Padres and the Mariners which is yes. what Major League Baseball has deemed is their natural rivalry
1: Yes we uh, we really are ambivalent about the Padres, so I don't know how it's our national our rivalry, but uh, it is. So you know, grr, let's get those Padres.
0: <laughs> so now Portland has got you've got essentially a space for the stadium that you think would be is is essentially is it ready to be built upon if if given the go ahead and are is is the real holdup? They just need a team first.
2: I think they need the space first. Um, They do have exploratory options at this time that they're still looking over with the port. But they do have an agreement uh, in place uh, with them. And that agreement is continuing on for another six months as I think personally as MLB kind of works its process out with this whole expansion relocation issue and i think as we talked about or we will talk about one of the i think the first dominoes fell today for that um but the area that it's looking at is the port of uh, portland terminal 2 which is just all concrete slash asphalt and so they just tear that up do whatever they need to do and start building is versus having to demolish the big issue right now with that particular location will be Uh, transportation to and from these everything you just named there is everything i hear about
0: every day here in oakland regarding the howard terminal uh, site where the a's are trying to build their new stadium uh, as well so i feel you Mm -hmm. with all of those (laughs) those uh, issues
1: is the new stadium most likely going to be on the water like right next to it
0: I think that's a yes for both Portland and both, Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these are both trying to be ballpark stadiums and you know, through listening to to the uh, Diamonds and Roses podcast, it's just it's weird just how similar they are in terms of what they both want to accomplish and the roadblocks um you know that they kind of have to go through to get these parks.
2: Um they yeah. would both be pretty similar, I think. You know, and I think the um, the San Francisco Giants with their stadium, I think it's AT&T Park, if I might it's be Oracle wrong. It's Oracle Park be, now. Yeah, Oracle Park. But with Oracle Park, I mean, they kind of really set a precedent for teams that are located on or near the water to actually be on or near the water and have a kind of like a feature of everybody in boats during a game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a wonderful stadium.
2: I mean, we're ready to go. I mean, we really want uh, an expansion team um, up here in Portland. I think it'll be great uh, for the area. And one of the things I really want to talk about regarding um, this is is that, you know, we we talked about offline prior to coming on was that you got to think if there's 30 teams in Major League Baseball right now, if you were to add two more teams, which... Right now in the East, they're talking about uh, expansion in Nashville, Charlotte, and Montreal. But we heard the breaking news today of Tampa Bay doing that half season in Tampa and half season in Montreal, which leads me to believe they'll go to Montreal. And then, so then you're opening another slot in the East, and then Portland's the only one in the West. So therefore... What you'll do is by adding two more teams, create four divisions of four teams, so you're all even and equal, and that's going to help with travel. Not only that, is it? It's going to really create the old PCL, and Mark could probably talk a little bit about that. But um, wouldn't you like to see the kind of like essentially the framework of the old PCL, Mark? Oh,
1: absolutely. That would it would be. Um it would be like kind of like a throwback but also the future at the same time it would be uh, i i'm a big fan of as you know the pcl and and i worked for the Tacoma team for quite a while and we had a good rivalry with portland it would be a lot of fun to get that started up again absolutely
2: yeah and i'd like to see um them do a th- couple throwback games so like oh, yeah. the portland beavers maybe and it th- wasn't the seattle have the seals at that one was time? san francisco the san francisco okay, seals okay but
1: wh- seattle had but what the was in seattle yeah, uh, And they were the pilots one year in 69. Yes.
2: Yeah. So it'd be kind of neat to do a, like a throwback with those teams. Well, I've got my, awesome.
0: I've got my Oakland Oaks Jersey all ready to go. Cause I, <laughs> yeah, I, the Ebbets field, I love all of their PCL jerseys. Uh, oh, the yeah. Sacramento Solons, uh, that, that was my dad's favorite team growing up and they've got some great jerseys, the Hollywood stars, uh, the LA angels. Those are, I would love to see some throwbacks with those, those teams.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You got to do it, definitely. Yeah. All right, so Ben, hopefully you will indulge us here in this uh, game that we like to play. We're we're still struggling for a name on this. Uh, I, I I waffle between Wax Packs Heroes, and I like Wax Packs, and I cannot lie. And I'm <laughs> I'm waiting to record a hit theme song, depending on which one we finally land on. But what we like to do wax. is Wax Packs. Well, thank you. See, I was wondering, I didn't know how many foreigner fans are out there would get that (laughs) because I love that song. But uh, I have uh, gotten a good deal of wax packs, uh, baseball unopened wax packs from the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And what we like to do is we like to randomly grab a pack and open them and using the latest Beckett's uh, pricing guide we go through and just see how worthless each of these packs are but uh, we like to keep track and see who uh you know who can come up with the uh the most expensive team in one pack so i have got two packs in my hand here for you to choose from i've got a 92 upper deck and a uh, let's see a 1990 donruss pack Um, so I'm going to shuffle these and put one in my left hand and one in my right hand and have you choose a hand and we'll go with that one.
2: I kind of want the upper deck just because I think the upper deck value will be better. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to choose your right hand. That's totally the upper deck pack, 100%. (laughs)
0: <laughs> now this this happened last week when we had uh, kevin kalal on the the former assistant gm of the rainiers it's not a wax pack it's a cellophane pack but mm-hmm. hopefully i can open it a little bit easier than i did nope <laughs> gonna definitely have to carefully cut it open well did I, i'm assuming you collected baseball cards when you were growing yes. up Alright, so here we go. 92 Upper Deck. We go with um, the lowest uh, price, depending on you know, we, we're, we're even though these are fresh out of the pack, we're going to pretend just they're not worth much. Um, <laughs> the common card out of this series is worth one cent. So, and there are not many that are not considered commons. Uh, we're going to start off with a Diamond Skills Best infield arm, Travis Fryman from the Detroit Tigers. Not a bad card, but a common. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Barfield, a pitcher for the Rangers who I have never heard of. But,
2: That's um, probably why we never heard of him.
0: <laughs> yeah it's, it is definitely not but these are uh they're upper deck and i love upper deck cards because they are beautiful no matter who is on them uh next oh here we go joe clink somebody i actually oh. talked about just the other day colonel the clink colonel. yeah yeah pitcher for the uh oakland a's he also pitched for the uh the marlins and came up with the twins Yeah, that's but that card likewise is a common uh Maybe you have
1: to pick it up here, Ben.
0: Yeah, maybe Ben, you know this guy. I don't, but he's in a Red Sox uniform. Mark Gardner.
2: Uh, release pitcher?
0: <laughs> yes, he was a pitcher. Yeah. Um he was a starter though. In ninety one, yeah. he started twenty-two games, uh, pitched hundred and thirty innings with a four point eight five ERA. But
1: sounds like a mariner. It's worth seventy cents.
0: <laughs> it is? Mm-hmm. Um, you are definitely looking at a different, uh, Pre- Beckett's guide than I am. Oh, man. I'll go. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So here we go. I've, I've actually heard of this guy, Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, <laughs> 424. And here you go. Big money card. There is a 20 cent card right there in my hand. There it is. It's a kind of like a time-lapse picture. Uh, it looks like he is playing at. I can, I can usually tell what stadium it is. It looks like it's the old Rangers Stadium. And, you know, it's three different exposures of him taking a swing. But there's your big money card so far. Uh, next, we've got Glenn Braggs, outfielder for the Cincinnati Reds. Um, I remember him because in the 90 World Series against Oakland, he broke a bat over his back on his follow through. He wow. was a very strong guy. Man. But that is a common. Uh, Greg Briley. <laughs> oh my. this is uh, with the Mariners. He is actually uh, down in a catcher's position with a catcher's mitt in this and calling for a curveball. But
1: Briley uh, wasn't a catcher.
0: No, I think he's just being a goofball. Uh, next we've got a couple of Royals. We've got David Howard and Bill Pakoda, both who are in the common category. Mm uh alex cole from the cleveland indians anybody remember alex cole
1: no no, no. i wish i did so I, because I'd say he wore weird. glasses
0: he was a center fielder he was very fast and i remember he uh came in he was charging in the metrodome he was charging a single and his foot got uh, caught in the turf and he broke his leg and his ankle wow and I just remember that because playing softball later that year, I did the exact same oh, thing.
1: Did did uh, did it spray a bunch of grass everywhere? You got to call it coleslaw. Ooh. Yeah, dad <laughs> jokes. Sorry.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, here's somebody we had on last week in our in our segment, uh, athletic Mike Gallego, Mike Gallego. but another common. Uh, here is a rookie card, Derek Bell, Ooh. Toronto Blue Jays. Wow. Let's see if that's got. That has got no value whatsoever, but he was a
2: good player. Yeah. What? What are you thinking? Yeah. Uh, next, John Farrell. By the way, I was looking at that Griffey card. That's pretty sweet.
0: Well, I will. When we meet in person, I will bring it to you at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Sometime when we're up in Portland. Uh, next, we've got Rags Dave Righetti. Uh, that is in the giants uniform, but that's a comment. And then we finish out with another great player, Gary Sheffield.
1: Oh, Ooh. the chef. Yeah. He was awesome. The chef 234. Nope. That is
0: considered a common. That is a great looking card. He is in, uh, he's still with the brewers and it is their pinstripe brewers, you know, with the, oh, yeah. uh, with the throwback, uh, helmet that I like with the MB. And that is a great looking card do you think that was when he was still like rocking the bat back and forth in his stance oh yeah yeah i mean this he's he's not into his swing yet but the bat is over his head almost pointing towards the pitcher almost like julio franco
2: yeah i love the old uniform that he's got on. it kind of reminds me of the old met uniforms from the 80s all right yeah it does Except for not a pullover, thankfully. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So this pack contained 15 cards, 14 of which were commons for 14 cents. But then the big money Griffey card at 424 is worth 20. So that is 34 cents right there in that pack. And that puts you in first place on our guest, uh, our guest high score list. Money. So, Just hand the belt over right now. Yeah,
1: no, that's a good score. <laughs> I'm impressed.
0: Yes. Now I, I'll put this back in the mail immediately to you. Uh, we'll insure it for as much as we possibly can. But there you go.
1: That's a, that's a good. I think score. the stamps gonna the stamps gonna cost more than the cards, dude.
0: <laughs> oh, I don't know that Griffey card. That Griffey card's you know, and plus him being in the in the Northwest, that Griffey card's probably a good pull.
1: Yeah, maybe.
0: Uh, ben, thank you so much for coming on with us today. I really enjoy talking uh, with you and and getting to talk some uh, Oregon baseball
2: yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, I love the show. Um, I've been listening in, and I love just the the knowledge that both you and mark bring and and I like how you're you're able to play off one another. like you know you'll know something like like I do and Mark will know other things like my partner Dave does, and it's just it's really nice to have that one two of duo of of people on your show that you can have a really good uh, episodes with. If only we could oh, thanks, monetize ben. this this knowledge that is completely useless
0: in some way.
2: <laughs> if you figure out a way, let me know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely let you know. So,
0: Ben, do you, do you want to let everybody know where they can uh, reach you on social media and and follow your podcast?
2: Yeah, we're on Facebook at Diamonds and Roses Podcast. Um, we're also on Twitter. We're also on Instagram. And, uh, you know, you can find us on Twitter at, at Podcast Roses. And you can also find us at Instagram, and I believe it's dr podcast. Yeah, yeah, just look us up on Instagram dr podcast, and uh, or you just search us on Google. Um, but yeah, you find us. We're on uh, iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're we're everywhere. Um, and we got some you know great episodes uh, out there. And we look forward to having you on. And then uh, would love to return the favor. That'd be great. Yeah, look forward to it. Uh, thank you again very
0: much for stopping by. Um, Mark, do you want to do another show next week? Are you
1: free? Hold on, let me check the calendar. Oh, look again, nothing. Yeah, let's do another show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, you can find us uh, on all the social medias at Two Strike Noise, that is at TWO Strike Noise on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you could please rate, review us anywhere you are listening to us, we appreciate that as well. Uh, for Mark A. Johnston, I'm Jeff Paulson. Thank you, Ben, from the Diamond and Roses podcast. And we will see you all again on the next episode of Two Strike Noise.